Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Hey, you made it. I'm so glad that you did. If you're part of the Eden family, thank you so much for staying engaged. Now, if you're with us for the very first time, I want you to know that we are so glad to have you. Today is the perfect day to be here because we are celebrating four years of God doing some amazing things in this church, and we're really excited about it. And I want to let you know that after services today, both our 9.30 and 11 o'clock service, we're going to be having an in-person drive-in service to celebrate all the lives that have been changed here at Eden Church, and we would love for you to be a part of it. My name is Daniel, and I'm part of the team here at Eden, and we're all about helping people take a next step with Jesus. And my prayer for today and for the next few weeks is that you and I would see more of God moving in our lives every single day. Today, we're starting a new series that was actually inspired by a book that I read called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. And a series for us is really just a collection of talks that we've spread out over several weeks where we talk about a theme or a topic or a passage from the Bible, and then we apply it to our everyday life. And we're calling the series God Is with like this blank space to fill in the blank. And the heart behind this series is to talk about what we think about when we think about God. And it's probably not a surprise to a lot of you that in a space like this, we're going to be having a series about God. But I think what may be a surprise to some of you is that we're going to challenge you to rethink some of what you think about God. So over the next several weeks, we're going to answer the question, who is God? Have you ever had one of those friends that gives you a lot of bad information all the time, right? It's not necessarily deceitful. They're just not the type of people that are as concerned with the details or the accuracy of their statements as they are with telling a good story. And I think there's something interesting that happens when those people give you important information. Something in you probably goes off and it tells you that you should consider the source of where this information is coming from. Why? Because it would be so frustrating for you to reorganize your life around something that wasn't even true. And it seems like it's at least possible that this is what many of us done, have done with our understanding of God. We've allowed for some people or some sources with less than accurate information to shape how we think about God. And it's probably not all wrong, but it's probably wrong enough to mess up how we relate to God in general. And you might be open to this idea as a possibility if for a long time what you knew about God doesn't really seem that attractive or maybe what you've heard about God seems judgmental or people who say they love him you're not particularly impressed with. And yet at the same time you wonder why it is that so many people tie their significance to them. Others of you might feel like you have a pretty good idea of who God is because of what you've learned growing up. But the more the world changes, the less relevant your picture of God seems to become. And some of you are beginning to question whether or not you should keep relating to this God at all. And others of you might even say, I know a lot about God. I've grown up for many, many years in a religious environment, and yet all the knowledge that you've gained about God doesn't necessarily produce a meaningful connection with him. Someone once said that what we think when we think about God is the most important thought we have because that one thought changes everything about who we are. In other words, we become what we worship. If you think God voted for this person, 
then you'll probably vote for that person. If you think God is for a particular issue, you'll probably think that you should be for that issue. And the problem with so many of the categories that we put God in is that we label him according to our own mental picture of who he should be. Who God is in our mind has become has a profound impact on who we become in life. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to answer the question, who is God? And what we're going to learn is that God is so much more real, so much more loving, so much more powerful and better than we ever thought. And so we're going to learn that by looking at a passage that is actually the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the book. And it's all about how God used the people of Israel to carry his message of hope to the world. And the passage that we're looking at is, in a sense, his social profile. It's God's best description of himself. And this is the awesome thing about this passage, is that our source in this series for who God is It's not your favorite news outlet. It's not your social media meme. It's not this favorite YouTuber. It is God. He's going to tell us who he is firsthand. And so let's begin reading in Exodus chapter 34, verses 4 through 7. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren, The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses was the person who led the Hebrews out of Egypt through the Red Sea and toward the Promised Land. And he was a prophet, which meant that he spoke to the people on behalf of God. And oftentimes, he heard from God on the mountaintops. In the morning that he climbed up to Mount Sinai to rewrite the Ten Commandments, he met God there. And I think that there's this powerful principle that I don't want us to lose, that we will see God most when we are faithful to go where he is leading us to go. I think sometimes when we feel distant from God, we wonder what happened, but most of the time it's because we haven't been willing to follow him where he's leading us. Moses, on the back end of this huge failure in his life, kept following God. He could have quit, which would have been easy, but he didn't. He stayed with God, and in his faithfulness, he, he saw God like he had never seen him before. And this was this pivotal moment in the Bible where everyone who had a picture of God was going to have to rethink what they thought about him. Because it was one of the few places where God actually describes himself. And people latched onto this. We can look all through the Old Testament, like Moses and David and Jeremiah and Jonah, all refer back to this moment because for them, it became the basis for how they would relate to God moving forward. It became the lens to their reality. It was how they framed their world. It was how they defined their personal goals. It became the measuring rod for their life. And what was so interesting about how God describes himself to Moses is that it seems so different from how we hear God being described so often. When I was in seminary, I remember reading theology books. 
And this was not how they described God. This is not how we talked about God in the hallways of this educational institution. Conversations about God usually started off with words like omnipotent or omnipresent or omniscient. Our classes talked about God, but they didn't often talk about what he was like. It would be like if someone asked me to tell them about my wife, and I said she's six feet tall, red hair, green eyes, 34 years old, right? I told them things about her that are true, but I didn't tell them what she was like. When God describes himself, he doesn't talk about how powerful he is or how much he knows or how long he's been around, which all would have been true and accurate information. But to God, it wasn't as important as describing his character or his nature or his personality, not as important as describing what he was like. And the fact that this passage exists at all tells us so much about who God is. It tells us that God wants us to know him. And it's not an ego thing for God. It is a love thing. He knows that we need his help navigating this world. He knows that we need his strength overcoming some of the challenges that we face every single day. Maybe the most important thing of all is that God knows that we need his perspective. Like any good parent, you want your children to have a healthy perspective or any good leader in an organization wants your team to have the right perspective. God wants us to know, wants us to know that the more we know him, the better our perspective in life becomes. And if we know that he's not going to disown us every time we mess up, that'll change how we relate to him. If we know that knowing and loving God impacts us in such a way that it actually influences the way that we relate to others, that's a powerful thing. If we know how much he loves us, it changes how we see ourselves. For all of creation, God has creatively and uniquely and passionately been revealing himself to us because he loves us. There was this famous book that came out a number of years ago, and it was called The Pursuit of God. It was an amazing book. It talked about how all of us do our part to connect with God throughout the course of our life. But I think that there's actually this deeper truth about our relationship with God. And that is that he pursued us first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says that we love him because he first loved us. And I hope that we never forget that when we think about God. The thought that he has been pursuing us from the very beginning and he reminds Moses of that on Mount Sinai by showing himself to Moses. And through Moses, Israel would know more about who God was because of Moses' faithfulness and God's willingness to reveal himself. The other thing that this passage tells us or reminds us of is that there is more to God than we think. There was probably something in this conversation with God that shocked Moses, for the better or for the worse. It talked about God's justice, but it also talked about his compassion and his mercy. And the truth is, is that God is far more compassionate and accepting and forgiving than some of us will ever feel comfortable with. And far more just and righteous and true than some people will ever accept. God is more than we think he is because God is more than we are. He is more than all the authority figures in our life are. He is more than our fathers are. Sometimes I think we have this 
pattern of reducing our image of God to the standards and labels that fit our own expectations. But whenever we limit God to our standards and not his, we begin to form an image of God that makes us feel more comfortable with ourselves, but it also simultaneously limits his power to transform our lives. This is a phrase that maybe you've heard before or that you've used before. It's called projecting, right? It's assuming what is true about you and how you think and how you see the world is actually true about everyone else. And so you end up projecting your biases or your insecurities or some of your relational patterns. And you can do this on people who are closest to you. Maybe it's your children or your friends. But sometimes we even project on God. There is more to God than we think. And the more that we can embrace that, the more we are willing to follow him wherever he leads us, even beyond the boundaries of our own comfort zones. At some point, God may challenge you to rethink your relationships, to rethink how you view money, to rethink your political convictions or your cultural convictions or even some of your behavioral patterns. In fact, I would argue that if your relationship with God is not causing you to rethink some important parts of your life, you're probably projecting a God out of your own imagination because he fits all the categories that you want him to. The third thing we learn about this passage is that God will always be a person to experience more than a truth to understand. Obviously, there are things to understand about God, but the nature of our relationship with him is not informational, it is experiential. And he makes that so clear. He could have told Moses all about him, but instead he told Moses what he was like. And my hope and my prayer is that this series will not just be some sort of intellectual exercise, but that we actually learn about God in a way that changes who we are and how we relate to him. It'll change how we relate to others. And ultimately, I think that as we learn more about God, it will impact who we become in life. There's a phrase in our culture called clickbait, and it refers to stuff that grabs your attention, but has so little worthwhile content. And it's really become like this marketing strategy. And what that tells us is that we are in a culture that overpromises and underdelivers. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks is that God is so different and so much more than what has become normal in our world. Because with God, the more that we move beyond the surface, the more we see how good God really is. Over the next few weeks, we're going to pick apart this passage as we learn more about God. And here's what I think the challenge is going to be over the next few weeks. That what you learn and what we learn about God may cause us to rethink what we think about him. And for some, that's going to be an exciting journey because it may give us some fresh perspective that we haven't thought about before. But for others, it will be this whole new perspective that causes you to let go of some of the projections that in the past have limited and impacted our image of God, but have also limited and impacted his ability to move in our life. And what if God challenges you to think differently over the course of these next few weeks? What if some of what we learn in these next few weeks actually cause us to think differently about how we live our lives and about the world around us? I hope that that's part of the transformative process that happens in this conversation. And this week, I want to kind of begin to prepare our hearts. And so I want to encourage you to have 
one prayer as often as you can remember. God, will you let me be open to who you are so that I can form my life to fit your image and not form you to fit my image? Because what if God is willing to have one of these kinds of conversations with you that he had with Moses? The kind of conversation that changes everything about how you see the world around you because it changes the way that you see God? What if opening up your heart to who God is for the first time is really the first step in a relationship with him? It's a recognition for you that maybe you have never had a relationship with God before. And I know that there are a lot of you that are here today because someone invited you into the conversation or somehow you got an email about it or a text message or you saw it somewhere. And for whatever reason, you decided to jump in today. It's not by accident. It's because there is a God who is pursuing your heart. And for whatever reason, you're at a season in life where you have maybe prayed that prayer, God, would you let my heart be open to who you are? And this morning, I want to let you know that there is a God who wants to connect with you. And he hasn't just been pursuing you over the last few months or weeks, but he's been pursuing you your entire life. Not because he wants to judge you or to make you feel a certain way, but because he wants to be in a relationship with you. Because he values your life. And if this morning, that is where you're at, you've never initiated that relationship with God, I want to encourage you to consider praying this short prayer with me in your heart. And all this prayer is, is just an expression of what's happening inside of you to receive the hope and the love that God has for you. And so if that's where you're at today, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. You can close your eyes and bow your heads and join me now, wherever you are. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Today, I recognize how much I need you. And today, I want to receive the gift of your love. I want to accept that you loved me enough to send your son to sacrifice his life on my behalf. Today, I want to turn from all the sins in my life, all the things in my life that are keeping me from becoming who you dreamed I could be. And I want to step into faith, trusting that you can do more with my life than I can. Today, I want to surrender my heart to you. I want to invite you into my life. And I pray, God, that you would give me the strength to follow you in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.